move forward and be able to begin to, to utilize that building. And uh, this, uh, we're in the third week of a series we've simply called Cross Reference. And we're looking at the seven things that the Gospels stored up for us that Jesus said on the cross. There are only seven things that Jesus said while he was nailed and hanging on the cross. And we're looking at those. And this week, we're looking at the second thing that was we've kind of we're moving kind of backwards in this. And we're we're looking at the second thing what we've we've examined this week, but we've come back to this concept over and over again. You're like, Brandon, we're in the week three. What happened? We ought to be on the third thing Jesus said. Well, the first week we looked at is the truth that we're looking at again today is that the resurrection changes everything. So many times if we, we don't catch things the first time, that we, have, we get new information and that new information allows us to shift the way we view and experience. All of a sudden one experience is one way and we get some new information and all of a sudden it changes all of it. It changes everything. So we looked at the power of the resurrection and how it changes things. The resurrection changes things for the good. It changes things significantly. But not all things when you get new information is it good. I remember a moment. I won't say which person of the Clark household when I was growing up had this experience just to protect the individual. And so, but um, around our house, we, we, we like Ritz crackers. Ritz crackers are like the primo cracker. They're just the, they're just the best stuff. And you, they, they, they're great with cheese. They're great with peanut butter. They're great with ham. They're just, they're just the perfect cracker. They're awesome. Crispy, golden, buttery goodness. They're just amazing. And so we have the Ritz crackers. And so we get a new box of Ritz crackers, and Ritz crackers would not last a super long time at our house. And we wouldn't go through the whole process. Back in the day, now they come in the nice little individual packs. But back in the day, they just came in a box, and they're just kind of all loose in there. And so and you just want to sit there with the box and just open the box and just pound down some rich crackers. I mean, it's just awesome. And at, at some point, then this one particular person in our household got to the bottom of the Ritz crackers, enjoyed the Ritz crackers. They were tasty. They were awesome. They were delicious. The Ritz crackers, how can they be anything else? And gets to the bottom and looks to see if maybe, because sometimes you got a whole box, you know, there could be like one half a cracker at the edge, and you, you want to make sure that it's empty. You don't want to throw away half a Ritz. I mean, that's sad. So you look at the bottom of the box, and should have never looked in the bottom of the box. Now, it would have been terrible if you found the whole thing, but didn't find the whole thing. It found a leg. Found a cockroach leg at the bottom of the box of Ritz. And I'm telling you, it was just all of a sudden a wonderful experience with a little bit of new information got totally jacked over. And I'm pretty sure that person hasn't had Ritz crackers since. And it wasn't me, so bring on the Ritz. I'll eat them. And, uh, and so, but that new piece of information, all of a sudden, um, you know, we don't know if it was passing by and it fell off. You kind of hope. Um, I don't know if, if, if roaches happen that way. Um, you hope. That, that's our theory. 
and we're going to stay with that. Um, we don't know where the rest of that thing was, and we're going to leave it, leave out all speculation. But it was, it changed it. All of a sudden, one experience that was really great, all of a sudden, new information comes in, and, and it changes it. You look back, and it really wasn't what you thought. And when we, on this side of the resurrection, on this side of the resurrection, when we're able to look back and we see the power of what Jesus was saying. They're impactful in their moment, but looking through the cross and, and looking back through the resurrection, oh my goodness, it changes everything. And we've jumped off with this passage of Scripture, Luke 24. We look at verse 5, it says, In their fright the women bowed down. They had gone to the grave of Jesus. They had gone to the grave expecting to find a body. A dead, inanimate, laying there body. And they had their stuff with them ready to finish the pre uh, preparation process. They had one mindset, one gear. Jesus is dead, dead, dead. And we're going to go and we're going to pay our respects. And we're going to put this stuff on him. Our, our spices and our oils and all of these different things. And, and they find an empty tomb. And it scared them. They were completely frightened. And then they see these two guys gleaming and wide. And they're even more scared. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's letting them know, you should have been looking for someone alive the whole time. They're like, he, he died. He's dead. They said, he's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, he let you in on this. He brought you in the loop. He told you what was up. It says, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. He told you. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? The resurrection has already happened. The power is already here. Everything has changed already. Let's look for life. In verse 8 it says, and they remembered. They remembered his words. As we look back at what Jesus says, we want to look at it through the power of the resurrection. And today we're going to look at something that is honestly, for you and I, is is a mind-blowing concept, something that Jesus said. And as we learn and we dig deeper, it gets, it gets more and more powerful every time we, we go back over it. But as for you and I, for you and I as, cross, as Christ followers, one of the wonderful things of all the wonderful things that we do as Christ followers, we worship, we just did that. We gave, we just did that. We purpose to make a difference in our community, in our lives, in our families. I, it's, you're doing it. I hear the stories. Y'all are doing it. I love hearing the reports about, about what the different people in our church are, are doing with their, their, their families and their coworkers and the lives of the people they know and the transformation other people are witnessing in your life by the power of the resurrection. I love that. That's happening. But folks, one of the greatest things that we can do is to forgive. See, there can be no reconciliation without forgiveness. There just can't. A relationship can sustain all sorts of things and keep moving except unforgiveness. Unforgiveness comes in and eventually at some point 
that relationship cannot maintain. It just will bring a wedge. I don't care if you put a pretty face on it. You try to force through it. Unforgiveness will drive it apart. And we are called to be a reconciled people to God. Helping our world recognize that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is vital for us. It is vital. And here we look on Luke chapter 23. And I want you and I as Christ followers, to notice something powerful that Jesus did here. Something powerful. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and another on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He's on the cross. He's got nails in his hands. He's got the beating of of 10 lifetimes across his body. He's got a crown of thorns. He's been mocked, spit, slapped, beard yanked. He's been beat up all kinds of ways. And he's there hanging on a cross. Not tied, nailed. And he looks at those who are actively finishing this work doing it and says father forgive them they don't know what they're doing i guarantee you ask anybody involved and they would say we know what we're doing we're crucifying this guy he's gonna die that's why we're here this is a place of execution and jesus sees beyond That immediate Jesus sees beyond all what's going on and he recognizes something deeper than the surface action. And here you would think that all of a sudden as as these people, maybe somebody would respond. Somebody. He's just cried out to the Father for their forgiveness and you would think somebody would respond. But all they do is they divide it up as clothes by casting lots. One of Jesus' garments was too nice to rip and tear and somebody wanted the whole thing and they played some dice to see who would get it. The people stood watching and the ruler sneered at him. He's just cried out for forgiveness and they keep on pushing on him. They keep on attacking him. They're sneering at him. They don't let up. They didn't ask for the forgiveness. They didn't think they needed forgiveness. And his forgiveness didn't change their response at all. They just keep on. They just keep on moving. Then they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and they mocked him and and they offered him wine vinegar. You know, something to drink and they give him something nasty. And they said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. If you're all that, prove it. Prove it right here. Relentlessly, relentlessly. Mocking him. 
And see, when we look back into scriptures and we look to Isaiah chapter 53, which is just a rich, rich, rich messianic chapter. We look at verse 12. We catch up about halfway through it and it says, Because he poured out his life unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. He's there with these guys who deserve to die. These criminals. Jesus is right in the middle of them. He's numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Here was prophesied that Jesus would do what he did. That he would cry out and ask for forgiveness for the ones who were attacking him and bringing it on him. See, I love it that Jesus wasn't just an amazing teacher and preacher, but he lived it out to its fullest. Because he had already addressed this concept in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He pours out his rain on everybody, no matter if they've honored him or not. That was Jesus' teaching, and here, in the middle of his most desperate moment, he cries out and says, Father, forgive them. Now, for a long time, I didn't see the power of this. I understood a base level concept of this and I and and in a certain way I, I tried to live it out and uh, I honestly ended up trying to uh, isn't it crazy how selfishness can come and weed its way into all sorts of stuff all sorts of stuff this little selfish little edge thing can find its way into what is seemingly the most sweet and wonderful little things and see, I saw Jesus, and, and he forgave. He forgave. He forgave, and they didn't ask for it. I want my relationships to be whole. I want them to be, to be good. And, of course, the relationship I care about the most is with my wife. So, man, I had a good way to operate years ago. Man, she'd, uh, you know, she'd get mad at me, and I'd do something to really tick her off and and she'd do something to tick me off, and we'd get, we'd get sideways with each other. And so I thought I was doing good. After some reflection, I realized it was this little sideways, little self-righteous poke at my wife. And she would have not asked for forgiveness yet. We were still in the middle of it, and I would just tell her, I forgive you. Um, you know, uh, she didn't melt into a puddle and go, Oh, Bryn, I'm so sorry. She'd say, Don't forgive me. I'm not sorry. I don't want your forgiveness. I'm like, I forgive you anyway. I forgive that. I forgive that you don't want it. 
And was sitting there, honestly, dumping all my tension and dumping all my stuff and dumping it into her court and basically saying, I'm good and you can work through this and you, you, you get to carry all this load now. That was what I was doing. Because, see, Jesus didn't cry out and look at those guys and say, uh, hey, guy with a hammer, I forgive you. Hey, guy there, just insulted me, I forgive you. No, he did something so much more powerful. He went to his daddy on behalf of that guy who didn't even know he needed to be forgiven. And said, Daddy, please forgive him. He don't know what he's doing. He doesn't know the consequences. He doesn't know what's happening here. He doesn't know what he's all wrapped up in. <sighs> Daddy, forgive him. And I guarantee the relationship and the stuff that I was so concerned about in my 20s would tell him, if I would have just quietly gone to some other place and said, Lord, forgive her. Lord, forgive me. Lord, bring healing to our relationship. And invite him in to the tension. Invite him in to the pain. Invite him in to that process. Because see, the thing is, is what you and I can do is we can kind of backdoor this thing. And we can kind of get our little self-righteous stuff going on and say, you know what, I forgive you, but... You're going to have to stand before God someday. So I'm just kind of dumping you off on God. And I'm pretty much hoping he like whoops you good. And so I'm going to like get this off my shoulders. And let you stand before God someday. And you're on your own there, buddy. And Jesus went on behalf. He went on behalf of his, of his murderers and tormentors. And see, it's something that you and I can do. See, we can forgive because we are forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We get to operate in doling out forgiveness. Giving it away. That's why it's forgive, not for pay. If you pay somebody what they owe, if you're waiting for someone to earn your forgiveness, you're not giving them anything. We forgive. We give it. See, forgiveness is something that you and I... It's the gift we get to give ourselves. I've got a clip here from a show called uh, Private Practice. Just to set it up, there's this, this lady doctor who's at the beginning of it's viewing through a window in the, in the clip. You don't, you don't get to see who's on the other side of that. But she's seeing a guy who had raped her and beat her up. And she, in her medical practice, has the ability to play a role 
in something that no one would ever find out, but it would end this guy's life. And she's debating. She's got the ability to wield justice in her hand. This guy violated her and beat her up and and did her wrong. And she has the ability to wield justice on her own terms. And she has a conversation with another doctor named Naomi. Who lost a good friend to a drunk driver and her daughter and granddaughter were put in peril. And she had her own process she had to deal with and we joined them for a conversation. Charlotte. Cooper's looking for you. I know. He knocks her around and God knows what else. Yeah, there she sits. Keeping a vigil. When I was a little girl, I used to go to church every Sunday with my daddy. I'd sit on his lap and daydream through most of it, but what got my attention week in, week out was a pastor's sermon. Now, he'd bang on about this or that, but it always came back to one thing. Good and evil. How the righteous need to see evil and resist it with everything that they have. It scared me. But there was something comforting about it. About how black and white it seemed. But you get older, and you realize it's not black and white at all. Picking out what's right and what's wrong. Deciding where to draw that line. I understand, Charlotte. I do. You wanting to see him dead for for what he did to you, but I think you need to ask yourself, if the only way that can happen is you having a hand in it, is that going to bring you peace or, or torment? How am I supposed to know that? Well, maybe you can't, but uh, I just, you know, that man who killed Del, that almost killed Maya and Olivia. I just had this instinct that the only way that I was going to be able to let go of all the anger I felt was to forgive him. Forgiveness. See, that tension, that tension that that lady felt that justice was here and there was good and there was evil and something has to be done. And praise God, the message of the cross is that something was done. Something was done to break the cycle. That goodness personified, allowed evil to nail him to the cross and then intercede for the evildoers. See, tit for tat, wrong for wrong, vengeance for vengeance never accomplishes anything. The only thing that breaks the cycle is forgiveness. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that breaks it. And praise God, God loved you and not so much that he allowed his son to be crucified by hateful, sinful humanity. And for us 
to spew all our venom and all our hate on his son and then forgive. So now you and I, you and I are caught in our own cycles. And praise God we have an example that that divine action is alive in you and I as believers because Jesus Christ lives within us. And let's look at Acts chapter 7 verse 52. Here we catch up with Stephen who had been preaching. He'd been addressing a group of people. He'd went through a lot of Jewish history and, and, and talked about a lot of stuff and here he's at the end of what was, he was saying and he tells him, he says, was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, which was Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him, Jesus. You, <clears throat> you who have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears. They could not stand to hear his voice. And they started yelling like three-year-olds that did not want to be rebuked. They cover their ears and just start yelling at the top of their voices. And they all rushed at him. And they dragged him out, into the city, out of the city and began to stone him. This is a painful form of execution. It's not one swift blow. They take rocks and hit him till he's dead. And while they were stoning him, while rocks are smacking him in the head, while all of the anger and all of the rage on their faces is there, pulled back and hurling it as hard as they can, and they've wound up all their rage and anger, and they're directing at him. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Same scenario as Jesus. As they're killing him and taking his life, he cries out on their behalf. There's something amazing, there's something powerful in forgiveness. We've got a special song, I'm going to ask Nat to go ahead and come up here, and I'm sure you notice. That everybody has some luggage tags. And today, we're giving you a chance, an opportunity to, to respond. To respond and get something you've been dragging around. Something you've been carrying around with you. And give it to God to intercede. Jesus took his tension to God. Stephen took his tension to God. Maybe for you this isn't a luggage tag. Maybe for you this is a gift tag. And you're ready to give the gift of forgiveness. We're going to have a song.
You're going to have some moments to contemplate this. You all have a pen. If there's a moment that you need to just release something. Maybe it's something you've been carrying with you from childhood. Maybe it's something that happened yesterday. I don't know. You can write one word. You can write a paragraph. You can write whatever. Nobody's going to read these. Our guys who pick up our offering are going to bring those baskets right around in a minute. And you're going to be able to give it. Just write on it and fold it up. And give it. Let it be released to God. Maybe there's somebody on your heart you're upset at. Intercede for them. Write a prayer on this. Intercede for them. Maybe your marriage relationship is in a difficult place right now. Intercede for your marriage. Intercede for that tension. Let's see some forgiveness come. We're going to take it. We're going to bring it up. We're going to pour them in here and lock them away. Let's see. To those who don't deserve It's the opposite of how you feel When the pain they caused is just too real It takes everything you have to say the word Forgiveness Forgiveness It flies in the face of all your pride Moves away the mad inside It's always anger's own worst enemy Oh, even in the jury and the judge Say you got a right to hold a grudge Take a whisper in your ear saying set it free Forgiveness Forgiveness set a prisoner free there's no end to what its power can do so let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace the prisoner that it really freezes you forgiveness 
Father, we just thank you for this moment right now. I just thank you, Lord, as, as these little tags. Lord, these little symbols of us releasing it to you. Lord, us interceding on behalf of those that maybe have never even asked for it. Don't even recognize that they've done anything to hurt us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are taking it, Lord, and we stand together as a group, redeemed and filled and set apart simply by what you've done for us in Christ. Lord, and we stand and we say, Lord, we give these to you. We ask, Lord, for forgiveness to flow into these people's lives. We intercede, Heavenly Father, on their behalf, Lord, send people to them. Send people to speak your word, to speak your life. To show them that you were in Christ, reconciling them to you. Lord, we just ask that your body would be mobilized, Heavenly Father. You, you, would, you would send workers into this labor field, Heavenly Father. Into this harvest. Lord, I thank you that we can go out of here, Lord, with weights lifted, with hearts free. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Gentlemen, go ahead and bring those up here. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's yours. Thank you, Father. These are yours. thank you Lord you take the heavy burden you destroy the heavy yoke that forgiveness and freedom comes to the captives we give them to you we thank you Lord 
It's a lot of weight and it's been lifted it's been forgiven Woo! I'm going to ask y'all to set this up outside if anybody's still hanging on to something when the service is over on the way out you have opportunity to put that in I just want us to stand up here now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for you are the great forgiver. We can forgive because you, Lord, so freely forgive us. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, that there's nothing we can do to earn it. We're not owed it at all, but you freely give it. Lord, I just pray that we walk out of here even at this moment, Lord, prepared and ready to walk in freedom, never to let this bondage and weight come back again. Lord, we give it all to you, and we thank you for that. I call us blessed as we go out of here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Y'all have an amazing Sunday afternoon. You are forgiven. <laughs>